Welcome to Undefeated, the podcast. I'm Bria. Every athlete has a unique story. And when we share our stories, we create opportunities for others to receive hope, courage, and understanding for their own journey. Your chance to get inspired starts now. Today, I'm talking with Kyra Jefferson, a former University of Florida Gator, and now a professional sprinter sponsored by Nike. Listen in as we talk about making progress in your sport, managing conflict on the team, finding balance, overcoming loss and disappointment, and much more. So we're going to start with an icebreaker question. If you could learn a new skill in an instant, what would it be? Hmm. I would want to know how to how to sing. I would want to learn how to sing. Because I, I can sing like a little bit, but like on key for a long time. I need to learn how to do that. Are you one of those people who sing in the shower or like one of those bathroom oh, yeah. singers? I make, I make whole R&B hits in the shower. Uh. But I don't remember them <laughs> as soon as I get out. Oh, wow. Like, I have, like, a chorus, I have a bridge, everything. And then as soon as I got the shower, I forget. Impressive. And since I live by myself, I really full sing. Like, you, really take, you really take advantage I of really all that. I really sing That privacy, okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so um, I'm going to change subjects real quick. So have you ever been in a place during your athletic career where you felt like you weren't making any progress or, like, progress was slow? Oh, yeah, you know. all the time. All the time I actually feel like that. Um, but more specifically, I think it was my my sophomore year, um, outdoor season, I felt like everything kept going wrong because my freshman year I got hurt, and then sophomore season I came back, I ran a couple of good meets indoor, and then as soon as outdoor came again, I got hurt again, and I was just like, okay, like, am I going to always get hurt when we start running outside? And it was just really stressful because I couldn't figure out why my hamstrings were hurting and then why, like, my ankle would hurt, like, just random things. So a lot of my stuff came from just, like, injuries, and then injuries made me stop believing in myself and my natural abilities. Mm. So, yeah, that would probably be that time my freshman and sophomore year were probably the worst. Like, it happens a lot depending on the training cycles, but as far as like years where it took a lot on me was my freshman and sophomore year. Wow. And how did you get through that? I was depressed for a while. And I remember after my sophomore year, I got a PRP injection, which is like they take blood out of one part of your body, oxygenate it, and then put it back into the injured spot. And I was like, after I get this, I better not get hurt again. (laughs) Because I think, Somebody told me, like, Tony McQuay had got it, and then he never got hurt again. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that, too. And it kind of hurts, to be honest. Yeah. But the results of it, when you do rehab properly, worked. And I just kept telling myself, like, I had to convince myself that I wasn't going to get hurt again because I had got it. And so I just had to keep pushing myself, even when stuff was uncomfortable. It wasn't easy because I was definitely, like, depressed. I really wasn't eating. I'm that type of depressed person. Like, I just, I don't have an appetite. And so, mm. ironically, me not having an appetite did help me lose weight, and I was lighter so that I could hold more muscle instead of, like, having all that fat on me, so mm. I was less likely to get hurt. And then it just ended up working out in my favor because I had Coach Holloway to keep, like, telling me that I can do stuff. It's called PRP? Yeah. I never heard of that before. Um, like, okay, so basically, 
it's platelet-rich plasma. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I know what they do. You can get it. The school does it. And then I went, but I went to Miami to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his name was, like, Dr. Patel mm-hmm. or Perita. No, Dr. Perita. And it, they just take blood out of, like, like, your arm or something. Because, you know, like, I think your red blood cells are what help, like, yourself heal, like, help your body heal. So, basically, yeah. it's just, like, pushing all of your blood cells to that area oh. to basically, like, heal the tissue so that you don't, like, it's not, like, a, a permanent type of disability in your muscles type okay. thing. Wow. So, when it comes to, like, conflict on the team, what's something you've learned? Well, I learned when I got to college that, everybody's personality is different and it's not like your high school where you have like a lot of things in common. Like in college, you meet people from different states and backgrounds Mm. and countries. So a lot of times you're not going to agree with each other or like the way people handle things. Like I know for me, a lot of people handled, you know, not liking the way somebody talked to them. Like, you know, it's like people's tones. Mm -hmm. And so some people's tones weren't, you know, meant to be offensive, but they came off offensive. And if you're not open to understanding that that's just might be how somebody talks, you'll get offended. Yeah. And so I think the main thing is to learn that everybody is different. And like I had to learn that you don't have to like the people on your team. You just have to respect them. It has to be like a level of respect. Like you don't talk about her. She doesn't talk about you type thing. When Mm. it comes to performance, whether you like her or not, it's still your teammate. And that's something that's it's hard to do. But the sooner you realize that that's what you have to do, the easier it is. And you don't stress yourself out about stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to like you, but I respect that you're a talented athlete. I respect that you're my teammate. And if anything ever happens, I have your back. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. Would you say that there's benefits to having conflict on teams? Yeah. I think when you have conflicts on teams, eventually y'all get to a point where one, you're going to be like, what are we even arguing about? Like you're so (laughs) like, you know, you you get to that point. Like I was mad at her for years. And then somebody asks you like, why? I'm like, I don't know. And then you, (laughs) then you talk it out and realize that you, you know, you were mad about nothing and you could probably get the best friend of your life out of that. And plus conflict on teams teaches you how to deal with conflicts. Like, when you, you know, you're done with college and you have to be in the workplace, like, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, have the same type, you can't have, what like, beef with your colleagues and, like, <laughs> try to function in a daily basis. Like, you can't, like, want to fight your coworkers just like you can't fight your teammates. So, I mm-hmm. think when you have conflict on teams, it teaches you how to handle conflict in the real world, except on teams, it's more lax that if mm-hmm. you mess up, you can learn from your mistake. How do you feel teams should go about, like, resolving conflict or if it's a one-on-one conflict with somebody how should they go about resolving it i think it's better when you if you have conflict with somebody you talk to that person and not talk to your friends first or talk to your coaches first like because a lot of times like if you talk to your friends they'll give you opinions they they can put it like friends can put opinions in your head that you've never had and that could be a good or a bad thing but it's in my experience it's mostly bad because friends have a way of being biased towards you and over-exaggerating how you should feel in situation instead of the reality of what the situation could be. Mm-hmm. And I think when you talk directly to a person, like I've even had an instance where I didn't like somebody on the team and we both, you know, agree, like, you know, I don't like you. And she was like, I don't like you. And I was like, 
well, and then she told me why. I told her why, and I was like, okay, well, we just gonna have to agree or disagree, and we just don't like each other. And since then, we haven't had any type of confrontation. You know, we're not friends, but at least it's, you know it's clear. Like you know, so we kind of stay out of each other's way unless needed. And I think that was better than having you know animosity every time you're around somebody. Yeah. Like every time you go somewhere, you're like, oh, don't sit me next to her. It's just like. No, like we clear on where we stand. So it's not, we don't need y'all input on, you know, how to tell us how to interact with each other. Like, we know we don't like each other. We're okay that it's we don't like each other. It's mutual agreement. <laughs> mutual. We know. So wow. if she goes to a function, I'm not going to go in her space. She's not going to come in my space. Mm. And we don't have any problems. But had we let our friends get into it, it'll probably be escalated. And, and you might not know the real reasons, you know, on why she didn't like me or the real reasons on why I don't like her. It would be more like speculation, but I think it's mature to have that conversation and you're not going to like people. I think that's something that people need to understand. You don't have to like people and some people you just aren't going to like. Like, that's just the way the world works. That's real. Yeah, because I was going to say, um, you know, you got those people who just feel like they need to be liked by everybody. And I'll be honest, I was yeah. one of those people. I was like, I need everyone to like me. Um I mean, and I know there's a lot of people out there like that. Um, what would you say to people like that? I used to be like that, too. Like, so serious. I used to be <laughs> like, what can we do to resolve it so you can, like, like me? Like, you don't have to talk to me, but I just want you to not hate me. But <laughs> I just yeah. like it takes too much out of yourself to want everybody to like you. I feel like the people that like you, people in your circle should like you. And if they don't like you, they shouldn't be in your circle. And <laughs> you don't have to have a big circle. As long as people respect you, I think is the more important thing. And if you carry yourself in a way that people have to respect you, whether they like you or not, then you're fine. But if you like living on the edge, doing reckless stuff, you can't be mad that people don't like you. Like you mm -hmm. have to carry yourself like an adult, like you have common sense. And then as long as you have people's respect, they don't have to like you. Because I know exactly. there are plenty of people who don't like me, but you can't say that I'm a bad person. You can't say that, you know, I'm not a good athlete, I'm not smart, you know, stuff like that. You just might not like something I said or something I did or, something, mm -hmm. you know, it's like something you didn't agree with, but that's common. You're never going to like something people say. Like, sometimes you don't even like what your parents say to you, but you, you know, mm -hmm. you know, not respect them. You just be like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And relationships always change and, you know, you may not like someone, you know, now, but in the future, y'all be best friends, like you said. Right. In the future, you'll be besties. You'll be like, why would we that? <laughs> I don't know. Right. Those actually end up being the best friendships from what I the hear. The best of friends. Right. You'll be like, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have friends like that and I can't think of it right now. Mm -hmm. But like, I know I used to be like such a people pleaser that I would be friends with people who I knew didn't like me just so, you know, we could be like cool. And then I realized. Oh, yeah. Same. Ooh, you're being fake. <laughs> like you're, you're kind of doing too much. <laughs> wow. And my friends had to tell me I was like that because I refused to believe it. I was like, no, I don't care if people like me. But then, like, my friends were like, why? Okay, so she's not talking to you. Why do you care? And I'm like, because. And then I couldn't give a real reason. I'm just like, because. Like, I just don't get why she doesn't. But then they were like, well, why do you need her to? I'm like, I don't know. Make a good point. <laughs> why do I need her to like me? Mm, those are some good friends. But, <laughs> I know it took a minute to get them, but hey, 
I got wow. them. You know, speaking of friendships, what would you say like towards the idea of making friends on the team or just making friends in general? Because it's a unique situation, right? So you're an athlete, you're yeah. spending most of your time on the team and you don't really have the time to like make friends outside of the sport. And, you know, I've from my experience and people I've talked to, there were a lot of people who struggled with loneliness um, and, you know, maybe they were an introvert and they, you know, just had a difficult time connecting with people on their team. You know, you come from all different yeah. walks of life. They're shy. Maybe they're, you know, they lack confidence. I definitely went through a period of this for sure. And, um, you know, it could be difficult. So what would you say towards people, maybe freshmen um, who are just coming in and they're like, I'm really nervous about making genuine relationships on the team? I think when we have, like, group functions, it's important that, especially as a freshman, you go to them, whether you're going to be, whether you think you're going to be comfortable or not, because I know when I first got to college, we went to, like, I don't even like parties. Like, let's just put that out there. I, I didn't like partying. Like, I didn't party in high school. So when I got to college and people were like, oh, we're going to have a kickback at such and such's house. And I'm like, oh, what is a kickback? <laughs> okay. I remember that. But then I'll go. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, and then you go and, like, at first you kind of sit by yourself and somebody will come talk to you. And then you're like, okay, she's kind of cool. And you go do something else or, like, we'll play card games or something. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, like, he's kind of funny. Like, we could be friends. But I feel like you don't know who you could be cool with unless you put yourself in a situation to meet those people. And, like, a lot mm-hmm. of times, like, I I regret in college not meeting people from other sports I was just so attached to track mm. but then it got, it got to a point where like a lot of my friends that that were on the track team while I was in school are not here anymore and so I don't really have a lot of friends like on you know on different sports but like my senior year I decided that I wanted to be a part of um FAC like the student athlete advisory committee mm-hmm. and I met people with gymnastics volleyball like so now I have friends that play volleyball and some of them still stay here. And so if I, you know, if I need to talk to people, I can talk to, to them. Like I have a level of friendship with them. Like it might not be best friends, but if I need advice, I can, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Blah, blah, blah. But I think it's important to put yourself in situations where you can meet other people for you to decide, no, I don't like these type of people or I'm okay by myself or but everybody, nobody is okay by themselves, in my opinion. I think you always need somebody, whether it's track, that's your comfort zone, whether it's meeting other people. But you have to put yourself in those situations to find out. Like, you can't just assume when you come to college, like, I'm only going to hang out with track people. Yeah. Because you might not like anybody on your team. And there's nothing wrong with that. You might <laughs> trial and error. And I hung out with them. I don't like them. Like, I just, you know, like, trial and error. don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. I definitely agree yeah, with I think, that. Yeah, I, I definitely wish I, – I had friends on the football team and stuff, but, like, I wish I had friends that play soccer so I can go to the soccer games, friends that, I don't know, play lacrosse. There's this a variety of things because you never know, like, plainly speaking, you never know who those people are going to become. Like, you might need them. Same mm-hmm. as when people join sororities. Like, you don't know you're going to need – Chelsea in your biology class like and then y'all get on the story together and find out Chelsea's dad owns a a multimedia company and you all you know you want to always be in multimedia you don't know until Mm -hmm. you put yourself out there speaking of that 
So it seems like you did a lot of growth, you know, during your from your freshman year to your senior year, just figuring out these things like I want more friends that don't necessarily do track. You know, I want to expand my network. What kind of growth did you see in yourself your freshman through senior year or your freshman year versus your senior year? I definitely learned how to communicate better from like meeting different people and like hearing different perspectives. Cause I know that I was a closed minded person. Like I came, I'm from Detroit. So I came from Detroit thinking like I was from Detroit, acting like I was from Detroit, not like in a bad way, but just like, like if somebody was from Florida and they'll tell me their opinion, I'm like, why do you think like that? Like, you know, and I used to truly be like, no, you're weird. Mm. And I would call people weird all the time. Like, no, you're weird. That's weird. Instead of being like, oh, I mean, you kind of got a point. Like now I can catch myself and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I mean, that does make sense. You do have a point. And it, it allows me to, like, open my ideas. Like I can think better when I'm more open to the people around me. Yeah, you're more well-rounded. When I only think my way. Yeah, like when you only think your way, it's, your way is not the only way. And I know, like, people have learned that since they were little. Like your way is not the only way. Yeah. So some people have valuable opinions. It just might come out weird, you know, different accent or something like that. But they probably are saying something you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And plus, I feel like everything happens for a reason. You meet people for a reason. People say certain things to you for a reason. And you said that you, you know, you moved from Detroit to Florida. You were born in Detroit, like born and raised. Yep. And then you came to Florida to run track. How was that transition from going the cold too, and I know this was a little off subject, but <laughs> I went to Florida. And I, went, I think about this all the time, actually. Yeah, no, it's so funny because, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, she actually went all the way from Detroit to Florida. And when I made the change from um, Florida to Syracuse, I was like, oh, my God, like it was different, you know. So how was that? How mm-hmm. was that change for you? I never had any intentions on staying in Detroit, like, my whole life. Like, I always knew, like, I wanted to live somewhere else. I actually wanted to live in Texas, but that's not the story. Um, so when I came down here, I was like, wow, it is so hot. Like, how do y'all function? Like, I'm, and I came during, like, the summer session. So I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was wearing booty shorts and track clothes to, to class every day. And it wasn't because I was trying to get attention. It was like, I am hot. Like, <laughs> I don't get how y'all are walking on campus. It's hot. And then, like, when it was still hot in October and November, I was just like, wow, like, this is nice. And then I went home, and I'm like, oh, no, nah, I can't do this. It's too cold. <laughs> and it's just weird, like, cause, because now I can wear pants. Like, in the summertime, I would, like, put on some jeans and be, like, totally fine. But I just remember all the time, like, my wardrobe when I first got here was like half naked because I was so hot all the time. Oh yeah. But now I can go outside with like sweatpants and be like, yeah, I mean, it's it's hot, but like it ain't that hot. (laughs) And I just think it's, I think it's so cool, but it's so weird. Like I feel like I'm, I'm from Florida at this point. Cause when it's cold, cause I remember I'll never forget at practice in like, I'm going to say November or December, people wore gloves and I was like, it is not cold. People had on gloves and hats at practice. I'm like, it is not that cold. But now, I don't wear gloves, but I'll be like, woo, it's cold outside. We got what today? Like, I don't know if we could do, we got a sprint. (laughs) And everybody look at me like, ain't you from Michigan? I'm like, what's your point? (laughs) It's cold. (laughs) Right. 
Wow. Like, so, that's yeah. what that's the past. I couldn't imagine going back to Syracuse. I couldn't imagine. Oh, Syracuse was brutal. That that was, like, the coldest of the coldest. Like, mad snow. Like, <laughs> everywhere. I couldn't even imagine how you did it. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, I don't know. It definitely got me thinking about your transition. Because, I mean, Detroit's pretty cold, too. Mm-hmm. So, um... So I'm going to switch subjects again. And um, I actually wanted to touch on your experience when it comes to losing. Um, My coaches always say you, you either lose or you get beat. And over the years, I forgot what the difference is, but I'm just going to go with what I remember the difference is. <laughs> um, I know like when you get beat, the person is like working hard and basically just, I worked you that day. Like, it's not saying that you're less of a person. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I just I just got beat today. But when you lose, that means, like, that person wanted it more than you. You didn't give your best effort. Like, I know losing is the worst. But getting beat, you're going to get beat. Nobody always wins. Mm-hmm. And once I learned that, it got better. Because I used to be the type of person, I used to be slow when I was, like, 13. Well, like, up until I was 13, I was, like, super slow. I used to always get like, I always always lose. And I was like, wow, I don't like track. Like, you know, people used to say track is only fun when you're winning. And I used to keep that mentality, like, it's not fun. I'm not winning. I don't like it. But then I got to college. Well, I got to high school, and I started winning all the time. So, I, like, losing was just, like, totally out of my vocabulary. At one point, I was like, no, what is that? Like, I don't lose. Mm-hmm. Then I got to college, and, you know, when you're a freshman, you're going to lose. Like, you're not going to beat these seniors. Like, so I kind of... I kind of was like, I would be sad. And then it got to a point where I was just like, I mean, if I run my fastest against somebody who ran their fastest and they beat me, how can I be mad? And I think once you, comparison is like the, the devil, well, what is it? Comparison is like the, the stealer de- of joy. Or oh, I was going to say the death of all things. I don't know. I'm on some Harry Potter stuff. Something. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you get it. Yeah. Comparison <laughs> take your joy away. When you compare yourself to other people, you're not on the same path spiritually, mentally, any of that. Yeah. So I think it got better for me, like, if I didn't win. Like, even as I became pro, like, I, I kind of came into being pro-like. You're not going to win all the time. So don't beat yourself up all the time because guess what? You have to have short-time memory, and you have another race in, like, a week. <laughs> so if you're going to keep dwelling on you losing – how good, how, you know, how good can that help you? Like, how much can that help? And I think that's a big thing to learn. Like, you know, I, you got to, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But it's the difference between losing and getting beat. Mm. Like, I'd rather get beat than lose. Because mm. if I lose, that means a whole bunch of stuff I have to go back and reevaluate. But if I got beat, I'm doing the right thing. It's just not my time. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people who beat me, like my when I was in college, I beat them as soon as, you know, I got became a senior because it wasn't my time yet. So mm. sometimes it's not about you. It's about the time and everything. That's true. Wow. So like, once you comprehend that, you, you're okay. But if, you, if you're so focused on beating this person, beating that person, instead of focusing on your own individual growth, it'll consume you into feeling like you're not good enough. Wow. That's that's really deep. I've yeah, never I'm heard with the deep today. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Keep it coming. <laughs> um, I've never heard anyone use short term memory in like a positive way. <laughs> like you gotta no, have no, short term yeah. memory. People say that all the time. You yeah. need short term. Like when I became pro, they kept telling me that like short term memory. 
Like, they, like I lost a race, and I didn't know how to feel about it. I was just like, wow, I ran so slow. And they were like, short time memory, don't worry about it. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And they like, you got to let it go. Like, literally, I think I went to Shanghai, and I ran 23 seconds. I have not run 23 seconds since, like, I was hurt my sophomore year, like, literally. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm going to be trash. Like, I start all these negative thoughts start coming in my head. And I was like, wow, I'm not going to be good. This is, this is kind of bad. And then I was like, if I keep thinking about Shanghai, when I go to, I don't even know where I went next, like Jamaica or something, then I'm not, you know what I'm saying? It's going to mm-hmm. be terrible for me. So when I got to Jamaica, I was like, I don't remember how I ran in Shanghai. It was to the point where people asked me like, how'd you do? And I'm like, I don't remember. But I literally convinced myself to forget about it. Mm. that way every race is a new race and it's not like like every race is a new race every game is a new game whether you get good or bad because you know people do good they get big-headed when you do bad you like beat yourself up yeah so just pretending it never happened you get to you get 24 hours to celebrate 24 hours to be excited or 24 hours to be mad and after that new day mm. what keeps you going just as an athlete what keeps you wanting to do the sport you know, despite all of the obstacles you may go through, despite feeling like you're not making progress, what keeps you going? I think I don't like the way it feels to watch track. So that's what keeps me trying to be the best I can be. Like when I was hurt or when like my season didn't go well and I'm watching other people win, I'm watching other people succeed, I'm happy for them, but I'm also like, wow, I missed that feeling. Because I, like, once I got a taste of it, I'm like, I can't let it go. Like, so I, I'll i be the first to tell you, I hate track practice. I hate practice. I hate showing up. I honestly do. I'm always hot. You know, I'm, I'm tired if I even start warming up. But when I practice, I give it my all every time I get on the line. I'm one of those, I complain right before I get on the line. I'm like, what we got? Oh, we got what? It's hot. And then you just How kill it. How fast it, it got to be? Then I go kill it. I'm that person. I have to, like, let it be known I don't like it. Or, you know, I have to, like, get it out. Because yeah. if, if I'm running, thinking, like, wow, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to run fast. But if I be like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I get online, I run fast because I know what it feels like to be good. And it's, like, the tension you get, the thrill you get of winning a race, I'm, like, I'm constantly chasing that. Like, mm-hmm. the satisfaction I get within myself knowing that, like, I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. Mm. that's what makes me keep like keep going because it's like a lot of people don't understand like because it's not for everybody track is not for everybody and everybody does not get this feeling and if you don't get this feeling it is not your fault it's just not your thing <laughs> but like for me personally like I can't like I, I couldn't imagine my life if I never like PR'd again or if I never won a race again I need that thrill mm. that I get like I, it's like a thrill type of adrenaline I get to want to be great. Wow. So what is your mindset like before a race? I'm a nervous wreck all the time. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm racing the fastest people in the world or I'm racing the prelim round with people who don't even run 23 seconds. I'm always nervous because I put a lot of pressure on myself to be what I, what I think other people expect me to be. Mm. So like I, I usually, and this is so funny, but, um, if I throw up before a race, I'm going to run fast. Wow. If I don't throw up before a race, I'm probably not going to run fast. I'm going to probably do good. It depends. But I'm not going to run stupid fast. But if I throw up, <laughs> I know that's about to be <laughs> You know it's race. about to get real. <laughs> it is so weird. But I promise you, like, 
And it's just, I don't know. I just, I'm always nervous. Like, I'm always nervous. And sometimes I feel like I'm about to cry. But, like, when I'm warming up in the beginning, I'm fine. It's only when we start putting our spikes on, getting ready to do excels, and getting ready to, like, actually go to the back, I'll be about to cry. Yeah. Don't know why. <laughs> just, <laughs> mm, but the races, the races where I'm not nervous is the races that I am more, I'm scared that I'm not going to do good. Like, I think, where was I? Uh, I think I was, like, in the Diamond League final. My first, like, little summer being pro, and I was not nervous at all. And I was like, dang, you never run good. <laughs> I wasn't scared. I wasn't anything. I was like, all right, well, let's see. USA's, um, not this past one, but the year before that, before I went pro, I was not nervous at, during the finals. And I was like, uh-oh. Like, come on, Kyrie, get nervous. Like, get antsy. And I wasn't. Like, it just, it just wasn't there. And I got fizz. I was supposed to make that team, and I got fits because I was not nervous. So, like, my nervousness is, like, my, okay, you're going to probably do good. When I'm not nervous, I'm scared, and I'm worried. Like, girl, why aren't you nervous? Wow, I never thought of it that way. You you probably one of the people I should have came and talked to when I was running because I know I dealt with that, like, heavy nervousness. I got paralyzed like it was that bad. Um. See, no, I would be, like, warming up, and my body would be like, okay. Get it together. <laughs> but I don't know. It just, it just like, for me, it worked out. But I, I know some people, like, if they get nervous, it's like, uh-uh, they about to do terrible. But, like, with me, when I'm nervous, my coaches be like, all right, you're okay. Wow. Because I know a lot of people who, they actually, like, speak really negative before they run. And it's almost like mm-hmm. it calms them or, like, I don't know. They end up doing really, really well. But before the race, they were like... I know I was one of these people. That's really why I'm bringing this up. I, I mean, I would just be like, I'm going to die. The worst of the worst is about to happen. This is about to be terrible. And then I'd go out and I'd like kill it, you know, especially for that four by four. But um, <laughs> yeah, I would do that for the four by four. You know, how I think it everybody is. does that for the four by four. I think so. Like we literally speak death on this race and then, <laughs> and then go, kill, go it. And kill it. Right. Um, but do you think there's benefits to speaking like, positively or have you ever tried that i think it's better to speak positive but you know everybody is different like for me like i think i have like some videos online on youtube if they show the full thing you can see me telling myself you can do this you can do this because my anxiety gets the the strongest when i'm actually on the line right after i do my run out and so i just keep telling myself you can do this you can do this this is not hard you've done this before practice is harder than this and then once you kind of like you have to get your own little mantra together that works for you. Still working on mine. But <laughs> eventually, once you get it, you know, you, I think speaking positive does more than speaking negative could do. Because um, there was this thing, like Coach Wilkie had, it was like an article. And it was like, you, get, you have a lot of thoughts in your head. And you need one um, discreet, conscious thought to, like, control you. So, like, the negative things are easy that come in your head when you like have anxiety but but if you control it and get that one positive thing it'll probably be more beneficial than all the negative things that you have floating that's good i know for it was um, a, like track article oh really and then it was by welty mm-hmm. well showed it to me oh wow and i was like wow and i made like a little note card of it and i wrote like a little speech for the team but then I kept one of the note cards. <laughs> so I keep it in my book bag for when I have to compete. 
and I read it whenever I'm getting like real anxious, anx- whatever, you know. Yeah. Getting all scared. So you um you wrote a speech for the team, you said. It's like yeah, it's like a little like a little um it's like a little card. It's like a paragraph. Yeah. And I remember what it says, but I wrote I write one every year for them. I started like two years ago. And so I just write one every year around SEC. And do you just say it like before the race or I just read the card before the race. It's too long to remember. <laughs> but I just I just like read the card. Like if I'm getting like too nervous, I'll read it and I'm like, Okay, well what's my one discreet conscious thought that's gonna be floating in my head? So I can in my mind it could be like, Oh, I don't wanna do this or oh, my my leg hurts. But then I, my one conscious thought could be like, it's just a prelim round. You can do it, you know? And yeah. so as long as that's floating in your head, you can, you know, have confidence in yourself. As long as that one thought, you only need one to float mm-hmm. in your head. But you have to choose which one you allow, allow to float in your head. So how important is leadership on the team? I think it's very important because everybody doesn't have leadership capability. And, you know, it's not a flaw. It's just some people are born to be leaders and, you know, some people aren't. And I think if you have a leader, it's better for people to lead by example so other people can follow you in a sense. So, like, I know one year nobody wants to be a leader on the team. And that was probably, like, our our team's worst year because everybody wanted to do their own thing. Nobody was calling, you know, calling each other out like, hey, stop cheating your reps or stop doing this. But if you have a leader on the team, it helps keep people accountable for their actions. Because mm. you tend to, you know, you get lazy sometimes. Everybody gets lazy. But, like, your coaches can only do so much. So, like, if you have, like, I think my senior year, was it my senior year? Yeah. Me and Shayla were leaders on the team. So, if, you know, people weren't doing something, it would be me, like, come on, y'all got to get it together. We can do this. Shayla, come on, get it together. And it's, it works if the leaders on the team are also the ones scoring points, also the ones you know, don't you have to do. But in other sense, you don't have to be scoring points as long as you are giving your best. Like last year, one of the throwers was actually the leader of the team. And so if he wow. said something, you listened. He didn't do your event. He don't know nothing about running. <laughs> and he'll admit to it. Like, I don't know about, you know, 200, but I'm just going to tell you, you went out there, Kyra, you killed it. I know you're not happy with it, but you still did good. And I'd be like, you'd be like, you know what? You're right. Okay. <laughs> I think, like, you just need leaders to speak life into you when you, like, you know, when you need that extra boost. Mm. And I bet it takes a lot of courage to be able to talk to people and hold people accountable. What was that process like for you getting into the place where, okay, I'm going to hold this person accountable. I'm going to start speaking up. I'm going to, you know, step outside my comfort zone. Um, I had to be okay with people not liking me. Mm. That's around the time when that came. I'm like, I know you don't agree with what I'm saying, but hey, I know you don't want to hear hear it from me, but hey, yeah, I'm like probably the most credible source you can hear it from. Like as far as like <laughs> listening to your coaches, I've done it his way, I've done it my way. I'm just gonna say my way resulted in a national championship. I mean, my his way resulted in a national championship. My way resulted in me being hurt. Like you know, so it's just like yeah, mm. it just you just have to not worry about people liking you. That's that's where it came into where I wanted y'all to respect me. I wanted my teammates to respect me more than they liked me. And a lot of them, to my knowledge, liked me and respected me. But I'm sure, you know, people who was like, I don't really like Tyra, but she make a good point. Wow. Something that really struck out to me about one of the interviews that I saw you do, 
you said trusting the process and how that was your team's motto for that season. Explain that to me. Trusting the process is about everything's not going to, like, be glitter and gold. Like, there are going to be some practices where you think you're in shape and you just don't practice well, but the process isn't that you practice great every day. Like, there are going to be some off days. And, like, the process is if you're not winning at the beginning of the season, don't worry about it because Coach Holloway does not set us up for anything he doesn't believe we can do. And a lot of things in life, your coach doesn't set you up with things, you know, they don't think you can do. God doesn't put you in positions that, you know, he don't think you can handle. So process, trusting the process means, like, if it doesn't go your way, you still know that there's something good coming. You just have to keep going. You can't just be like, oh, this not working. Like, like you know, like when it comes to, like, losing weight, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, say, like, you know, you're trying to lose weight. And the first two days, it's just not working. You're like, I haven't lost a pound. I gained two pounds. If anybody has ever lost weight, they'll be the first to tell you, you're going to gain weight and you're going to lose weight. But eventually, you know, you lose it all. But if you don't trust the process, say you gain a pound during this little transition, you're going to think it's not working. But in reality, your body has to adjust. Mm. So that's the process. A lot of things come in processes and people try to rush it. You're not going to get like, you know, a national championship as soon as you walk on this campus. Because what if the process means it takes a year for you to figure out, you know, your new program, or it takes a year for you to figure out life on your own. Like, you know, you don't have your parents here telling you what to do, making sure you get to this place, that place. The process involves getting a level of maturity. Like, I didn't, I wasn't mature until, like, shoot, I wasn't mature low-key until, like, two years ago. (laughs) I was still childish. I, I, I will admit it. I was still childish. <laughs> I just was childish in like an adult body. But, yeah. but I, I couldn't handle losing until I got mature. That's a part of the process. Mm. I couldn't handle getting hurt and being able to bounce back until I got to a certain stage in the process where I'm like, okay, you hurt, but you can handle this differently. You know, don't be mad. Like I, the year I ran the collegiate record, I got hurt that outdoor season. I tweaked my hamstring at practice. And instead of panicking, I was like, you know what? I'm going Coach Holloway. Can I do I have your permission to drive to Miami to see my doctor? And he was like, Yep, go ahead. I went down there. I had, like I grew up. I handled it as an adult. I didn't sit in my room and pout that you know I'm getting hurt on the last year of of my you know my college eligibility. I went, got treatment. I was I, I missed one track meet and I was back running the SECs and one. Wow. Because I trusted the process instead of being you know so panicked like that it's not going to work let it play out like my first pro season did not go anywhere near as planned did not run well in my opinion I got third at USA's but didn't want to get third you know wanted to win but my in my mind the process is you need you I would have rather had a bad first pro season during an off year than during a world year I told myself it's okay there were no teams to make this year mm-hmm. this was a part of the plan you didn't like it, but it, it, I, have, I have a different mentality going into the new season. I have things that I'm going to work on that I didn't do last year because that's the process. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? You cannot rush that process. It is not care. Wow. Um, and I know with trusting processes, you got to trust 
you know, the people around you. And like you said, you really trusted your coach, Coach Holloway. So tell me about the speed clinic you ha- you're you having um, in your hometown. I decided to have a like a speed clinic. It was supposed to be called track camp, but somebody told me, like, if it's not for more than one day, it's called a clinic. So let's just start there. That's why it's called speed clinic. <laughs> but it's kind of like I felt like people don't take track seriously up north. And honestly, I don't think they had a reason to, you know, because a lot of people who were fast never came and gave back. Whereas, you know, sports like football, you have people, well, better yet, basketball is the best example I can give. So Joe Dumars, great basketball player. He came back, gave back to Detroit, opened up a whole Joe Dumars center and has different basketball, you know, various, he has like six to eight basketball courts in like one building. Yeah. To like, you know, bring life into the sport. But there's nobody really for track that does that. Like, we didn't have anybody that was just, like, so phenomenal. Even I'm not, like, so phenomenal, in my opinion, but I'm fortunate enough that I can help, you know, start the wave. Like, if somebody else, like, I win the Olympics, and then I give back more, you know, who's to say, like, track won't become popular and colleges will start recruiting people from Detroit? Like, oh, this person is from Detroit. She can run fast. I got recognized not because of running in Michigan, because I went to other track meets around the country where, you know, people from Texas are running at, people from Florida are running at. And they were like, oh, wait, where's, you know, where's she from? Mm. Detroit. But you would never know because track is not publicized. I have friends that I've had my whole life who still don't understand track. Mm. And it's not that complicated, but they don't, you know, they don't know what I mean. What's a track meet? When's your next, you know, they say, when's your next game? Like, my next game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a game. <laughs> it's not a game at all. But you know, but like they understand, you know, they know other sports. Track is kind of like, oh, we could put them in track because I guess you don't got to be that kind of, you know, you don't got to be that good. You just got to know how to run. But in reality, it's way more to it. So I just wanted the track clinic for the kids who I know are like me, who really like track and really do want to go to college for track. And I feel like I can give them tips that I didn't have when I was in school, like things that I didn't learn to college that probably could have helped me run faster to get noticed to come to college. So I know a lot of people end up being stuck in Michigan, not because they want to, but sometimes because Michigan people, you know, look out for Michigan people, but you know, Florida people and Texas people are not going to be like, Oh yeah, we got to get somebody from Michigan. Nobody says that. Mm. But if you're good enough, they're going to be like, Oh no, there's this girl from Michigan. She's, you know, the fastest in the country right now. That's what I want. That's what my goal is to get people to that level where when they go to meets and give them the information, really. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a Q&A at my camp. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kind of tell people, like, you know, because I know a question is going to come up about, like, you know, how they got to get recruited. I'm like, you got to go to different meets. You have to put yourself, like I said earlier, you got to put yourself in situations to get what you want. You have to be, like, if I were to stay in Michigan and only run Michigan meets, I probably would have never got noticed by Coach Holloway. Wow. So did you, like, put your, did you sign yourself up and, like, pay for meets outside of Michigan? Or how'd you My do My mom did, yeah. Like, like it's kind of like, like, you. I was a part of AAU, and then I transferred over and started becoming a part of um, USATF, and I started going to their meets. So they had New Balance Nationals in New York. I went every year. I know for a fact our coaches go to New Balance National. I didn't know that then, but I know that now. My mom might have known that, but I didn't. 
I was going, I was like, oh, we get to go to New York. Because the things are fun. You get to see different places. I went to Nike Nationals in Boston. From there, I met, my mom met a lady, and her name's Joy. And Joy was like, oh, yeah, we want Kyrie to be on the team to go to Puerto Rico. I went to Puerto Rico on a USA team. From there, you know, I start getting the loop with, like, like coaches and, like, kind of, like, not me directors per se, but, like, mm-hmm. me directors and people on the USATF staff. And then I got, I found out about trying out for a world youth team that go to France and world juniors that went to Barcelona. But I feel like I would have known that if I would have only been going to Michigan meets. Yeah. If I would have, you have to, sometimes you have to pay to go to these meets. And sometimes, you know, you have to be willing to make the sacrifices. Yeah. And I bet it helps to have, like, and parents. basketball. Yeah, exactly. And I know it helps to have parents that, like, support you. Because you said your mom yep. was really the person that, like, you know, was paying for these meets and, you know, was behind you. Um, but what about, like, kids that can't afford it or, you know, parents aren't really into athletics? See, those people, I feel like, I feel bad for, in a sense. But I also feel like there's still opportunities to learn that stuff. Because I think there's personally nothing wrong with the GoFundMe. I don't think there's anything wrong with it if you need it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even mind, I wouldn't even like have an issue with like if somebody emailed me and was like, you know, hey, can you help me get to New Balance National? I wouldn't have a problem. Like, you know, if I'm in the, at that time, you know, if I'm in a position to help, I wouldn't have a problem with helping kids at all. But I feel like you have to, some, there are some coaches who are really good coaches who will help their kids, you know, get to meet and stuff. You just have to put yourself in those situations. I know, like, there's this team, Motor City Track Club. I didn't run for Motor City Track Club, but one of my biggest rivals and friends in high school did. And no matter what happened, we were at the same meet. And even, like, hmm, some of my friends who, like, came from, like, my friend Paige, she used to come to track meets with me all the time. My mom would be the one to come, you know, like, take her under her wing and we'll go places and we'll sleep in the same room. But, hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. We were at the meet. We were running. We were getting noticed. Wow, that's awesome. I'm just thinking, like, you're sharing all of this, like, amazing advice. And <laughs> you're like, I'm nervous. You just killed this whole interview, Cairo. <laughs> killed it. So my last question, which I ask all of my um, interviewees, is what makes you undefeated? Um, what makes me undefeated? Even when I give up on myself, I haven't truly given up on myself. I convince myself that I can't do something. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, I, I kind of check myself all the time. I'm like, what are you talking about, Kyra? Like, I, I got to donate to my confidence bank whenever I start getting down on myself. And that's why I feel like nobody can beat me unless I beat myself. And so I feel like when you go into a competition, you have enough, you know, competition that you don't need to make yourself another person. So I'm undefeated because no matter what I'm up against, I still don't count myself out. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so I just want to thank you for doing this podcast. This was thank amazing. You. <laughs> no problem. Thank amazing. you. Lucky gave me my own little confidence boost. I'm going to go through some push-ups. <laughs>